I want to share just uh, briefly this morning from the Gospel of John. We'll start out. And the Gospel of John starts off by letting us know exactly who it was that was born in the manger. It says that he was God, the same God who created the earth, the heavens, and the universe is the God who came down in the form of his son on that first Christmas. And it tells that, <clears throat> says that in verse 9 of chapter 1, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the things that happened uh, to Mary and the events that we, were, we uh, were reminded of this morning is supposed to help us understand the coming of Jesus Christ, not only physically into the world, but also spiritually in the sense that he came not just to be born in the flesh, but he came to die on the cross so that you and I might be born spiritually. So Jesus came in the flesh to be born, that you and I might be born of the Spirit. And he came in the same way, he comes in the same way to us as he came to Mary. Uh, did you hear what I just read? To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now if we look in Luke chapter 1, Mary was a young unmarried woman, and she was a virgin, and she was engaged to be married. And so uh, in the Jewish culture, that takes about a year. You have the, um, the public, legal, religious ceremony of the betrothal. And what that means is that this couple, in the eyes of the law, are considered to be one family now. The wedding will take place a year later. They're not to have any, um, they're not coming together physically until after the wedding, which takes place a year later. But in the eyes of the law, they're already married. And it's at this time that Mary uh, became pregnant. And it was a, uh, quite a problem in those days. Back then, um, having a child outside of marriage was considered a, a very bad stigma. Uh, used to be that way in this country, not that way anymore. Um, but back then it was. And so she would have to go through all that stigma of people judging her, although she herself was perfectly innocent. And so the angel comes and he, uh, angel Gabriel, is telling this to Mary in Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> it says... Um, Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's the same thing that God said to Noah as he was about to destroy the earth. And he was going to spare Noah and his family. And it said that God showed favor to Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It's the word grace. And so what's taking place here, like the salvation of any person, it's all a matter of grace. And so God is saying to Mary, um, you have found grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary says to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so God was saying to to Mary that God was going to do a new thing. This is a child born not in the normal way. Uh, There's no uh, physical union that took place here. It's like John was telling us about the spiritual birth for you and I. Those who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God is now telling Mary, this is how Jesus is going to be formed in her heart, in her life, in her body. Now the thing about this is that Mary received this because she made herself available. She believed, she accepted, and she presented herself before the Lord. And so Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In our language, she was saying, Your will be done, not mine. Your will be done in my life, in my body, that you would be glorified. Now that's what happens when you and I accept Christ as our Savior, isn't it? Um, Much later when Jesus was a grown man, he would be talking to an old man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus had questions. There was a longing in his heart to know, to get deeper with God. And so he approached Jesus, but Jesus was a controversial figure. And so he came at night. Uh, You have to be careful of appearances, don't you? So he thought he did anyway. So he comes to Jesus and he says, Look, we know, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus answered him, speaking directly to the longings and the yearnings of his heart. Unexpressed, but they were there. They were there because he was coming, asking questions. Jesus was redirecting him to the proper questions. So Jesus looked at him and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? The problem is what happens with us is we get all hung up on the physical. And we put the physical first. And what happens is that we become slaves to the body and to the emotions. And it should never, God never intended it to be that way. The spirit should be what's controlling our lives. The emotions and the, and the body are to be servants of the spirit. That's what it's all about. God directing us, leading us, giving us life through his spirit. So he says you have to be born again. That which is born of flesh and flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And so what Jesus did was he took the form of flesh in order for us to understand that he was coming to give us spiritual birth. And for us, it works the other way around. We are born physically and then we're born spiritually. It's interesting that um, if we look in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 is just before Jesus is ascending to heaven. It's the last thing he's going to say to the disciples before he ascends to heaven. Then they're going to wait and pray in prayer, waiting upon God. They don't know how long they're going to wait. It ends up being 10 days before the Holy Spirit comes down upon all flesh. Now, until this time, the Holy Spirit had only been given to select individuals. Men and women called for a specific task at a specific time. Filled with God's Spirit, used by Him um, in the form of prophets, some of the kings, a few of the priests. But God's hand was active in the hearts and lives of individuals in the Old Testament. With the coming of Jesus, and this is what the, the baby born in the manger is all about, he is going to die on the cross in order to cleanse our hearts and prepare us to receive the Holy Spirit. For us to be born again, like Jesus was telling them. And so in Acts chapter 1, he's been crucified, he's risen from the dead, the disciples have been talking to him, he's been appearing to them, uh, over a period of 40 days, Jesus appeared in the flesh, in the body. They could see him, they could touch him, they could walk with him. He sat down and ate with them. And so they knew, understood finally that he really was alive and that he had indeed risen from the dead. What that means is, if we receive him, it means our sins are forgiven. And that's the basis of salvation. What's he saving us from? He's saving us from our sins, from bondage, uh, from slavery to our bodies, um, to our emotions, to set us free, to put things in the proper order. So they came together on the Mount of, of Ascension. When they had come together, they asked him, these are the disciples, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they were still focusing on the here and now, focusing in on what's taking place around us. And they're talking about the kingdom of Israel. The coming of Jesus meant that the kingdom of God was coming on earth in the form of his son. And so he says, well, you've got the wrong kingdom still. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Did you hear that? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the exact same word that Gabriel said to Mary. Christ will be formed in you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's going to be a birth inside of you. It's an unseen thing. When a person first accepts Christ, it's inside, isn't it? The Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us a spiritual birth within us. And we become alive to God in a way that we had never been before. It's very similar to uh, what took place in Mary physically. Uh, She said, Lord, be it unto me as you have said. Your will be done in my life. And God began to create uh, that fetus inside Mary's womb. At first, there wasn't any change, was there? First few days, very little could be seen outwardly. And for the first few weeks, nothing outwardly changed. But Mary knew that something had taken place within her body. She, she knew. When you accept Christ as Savior, there is a change, a transformation that takes place deep within us. Not just in our body, but within our heart, within our soul. A spiritual birth has taken place. Outwardly, we may not look any different for a while. But what's taking place is there is a change, a transformation that's at work within us. After a while, um, because the baby was growing in the normal way that babies grow, she could not hide it anymore. Everybody was aware something was different about Mary. Something was going on there. There was a new life that was there that had not been before. And as a Christian, when Christ is in our hearts and in our lives... um, The changes that he takes place are deep within, within our attitude, within our spirit, within the way of thinking, within our way of talking. And as we begin to live that out, it begins to change us outwardly. And after a while, people will notice the change. Now, God did not just leave her alone. He sent her to Elizabeth, who also had a miraculous birth taking place within her, the birth of John the Baptist. And as a person begins to walk with the Lord, he sends people your way and my way, people to guide us and direct us, to counsel us, to help us to know what it all means, to encourage us and to support us through the difficult times. And that's what spiritual birth and spiritual life is all about. So this baby was born in order to die so that you and I might experience a new birth, something that takes place deep within us when we accept Jesus Christ is our Savior. When we repent of our sins, when we come before Him, then the Holy Spirit begins to work in an active, dynamic way. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what happens? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so what God did within Mary, she became the first person to be a Christ-bearer. And she's our role model in the sense of her coming before the Lord and saying, Your will be done in my life, in my spirit, in my body, in my actions, in my words, in my attitudes, in my dealings with others. 
And so that's the way it takes place within us. It is a birth. Something created that was not there before. Because apart from the Spirit of God, we are dead spiritually. And so that's the way we live, the way that we do. But when Christ comes, there's a life. And there's a change, a transformation that cannot be hidden. And we are no longer the same person. And we become witnesses. And so they're asking, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he says, wait a minute. No, it starts with you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you become my witnesses in Jerusalem, in your home, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The kingdom that God has in mind is far greater than, than the smallness of our wildest vision. And he invites us to come into that. So that's what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating um, the new birth that is made available to us because of who Jesus is. Now, Paul understood that and he made the application. When he was talking with um, the church of Galatians, these were Christian people and they were struggling because people had come in and were teaching things that was confusing them. And so he says in Galatians 4, My little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And so the Holy Spirit comes to transform us into the image and likeness of Christ himself. That's the image of God restored in us. Um, overcoming the sin that obstructed that image of God when Adam and Eve fell. The thing that makes us live in such a way that we are not living like Jesus would. Holy Spirit comes in order to reverse that and make, us, make it possible for us to live our everyday lives walking with Him, being His witnesses, Christ being formed in us to where we're becoming more and more like Him each day. And it's more than that. It's so much so that when we become like Him, Paul put it this way later on in that same book of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a radical change. And if you know anything about the life of Paul, he was a proud, arrogant man. He was um, a very... Uh, willful, committed kind of guy. If he believed something, it was 100%, and he was going to act on it. And if you got in his way, he would run over you. And so he was actively persecuting the early church, having people thrown in prison, having their property confiscated, casting his vote to have them executed. He was a violent, he says himself, I was a violent man. But God in his grace found me and changed me. So much so that later on when he was writing to the church at Philippi, he made the statement, for me to live is Christ. That's an incredible statement. The disciples were struggling with Jesus and they're saying, look, if we could just see the Father, if we could just see God, it would be helpful. And Jesus said, have I been with you all this time and you haven't known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Well, Paul comes along and he says, if you want to know what Jesus would do, how he would act, how he would live, look at me. That's what Paul said. That's an incredible statement. And Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Now that should be what we ought to be able to say to each other as Christians. If I see Derek, I should say I can see Jesus. Or Daniel. Or Joe Lynn. Or Holly. Or Andrew. We ought to be able to say, I can see Jesus in you. And it's not a trying to build somebody up. It's an accurate statement. Because if we know Christ in our heart, we are becoming like him more and more. And so Jesus takes flesh and blood in you and me. He's praying at the Father's right hand. He died for this so that we could be born again, that we might be alive spiritually. And the Holy Spirit comes to create the life of Jesus in you and me. Anything that's not like him is sin. And that's why Jesus died. To break the power of that, to give us the opportunity to have a new life, a life pleasing to God. doesn't mean you need to change your occupation. It means that in the occupation that you are, you need to, to do it like Jesus did. If you're a young man, young woman, you ought to be living as Jesus did as a young man or young woman. If you're an older person, you ought to be living like Jesus did. In your job, whatever it is, whatever it is, we do it as unto the Lord. And we ought to be able to, people ought to be able to see Christ in us through the quality of our work, through the honesty, the integrity of what we do, and who we are. And that's why Jesus came. That's the meaning of the baby in the manger. Uh, so that's the good news. Again, nothing automatic. To those who believed him, who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Doesn't happen automatically. It's the right to receive. And so Jesus comes, he lives his life, he dies on the cross, rises from the dead, and he says, this is your opportunity to come to know God, to have a spiritual birth where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and transform you from the inside out. That's the good news. Jesus is the news. The news is God has stepped down, taking human form, to show us in this world, violence, corrupt, decayed, it's possible to walk with God. And Jesus said, this is how you do it. And then he died on the cross to make it possible for us to join him in that walk. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news, the transforming news of the baby coming down in the manger. The miracle that took place, God Almighty in human form, in lowliness, in vulnerability, in weakness, and yet the power of God that was there that created worlds and universes. Help us, Lord, to see beyond the stable, to see beyond the poverty and the dirt that was there, 
to see beyond the harshness of the life in which he came to live, the brutality, the violence of his death, and to see your hand at work redeeming, restoring, creating anew. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we should never forget that this child was born for one purpose, to die on the cross for you and for me. It's not a cute little thing that happened. It was a harsh thing. It was cold. It was dirty. There was no room. It was crowded. It was a forced journey they did not want to make. It was hard on them. They were physically suffering. They were born in a, Jesus was born in a stable. Um, and that's how we received God Almighty into this world. And yet it was part of God's plan and God's purpose because this child was for the redemption of all mankind. So we can come and celebrate today because this baby grew up and he walked this earth as a man and he faced all the temptations that you and I face and yet he overcame them, was not touched by them. And he gives the opportunity for us who have been touched by them to be cleansed and purified so that we can go on with the life that God intended us to have. That's because on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. After he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body and it's broken for you. After supper, he took the cup. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, Take each one of you from this cup and drink of it. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many. It's a cup of salvation. It's for the forgiveness of sin. And he, invited, he invites us all to come. This is the Lord's table. And what he offers us is he offers us himself. And that's all that we can do in return, isn't it? Is offer ourselves back to the Lord. So he comes and he offers us life to know God in all of his fullness and all of his power. To know him today in our lives, uh, active, participating in our daily lives. And he invites us to allow him to share that with us. So in our church, we have um, open communion, which means anyone is welcome to come. The invitation is given by Christ. And our church as a church adds our invitation as well. You are welcome here at this table. It's a table of confession and repentance. It's a, a table of celebration and joy. Thanksgiving for deliverance accomplished through the blood of Christ. As usual, there'll be someone up here to be able to uh, pray with y'all. If anyone would like someone to pray with you. If a person is here who doesn't know the Lord, uh, this would be a tremendous time for that to take place. What better time to have Christ born within our hearts as the time of celebrating his birth in our world. So those who are praying would be happy to, to share that with anyone who would like to do that. So all are welcome. 
Don't feel compelled, but if you'd like to participate, you can. Will those who are serving communion please come forward? <laughs>